Hey, did I, do any of you remember having to wait on dad? Bree tells me all the time, dad, stop talking to people. Like, what am I going to do? I'm out, you know, we're out at the, we're out at the, at the first Friday in Oxford and you take seven steps and there's somebody else from church. What are you going to keep going? You know what that's like. And I know sometimes I get caught up um, when I greet people or say hello. Sometimes I get caught up talking about just trite little things that don't matter very much. The weather is kind of the example that I use here today. Let's take a minute, though. And those of you who have been around Waterway Church for a little while, I think we can praise God for some weather because not only do we have a beautiful morning this morning, and this is beautiful, right? This is a nice day. But I don't know if you remember the last couple of things that we did outside we had Bible school back at the end of June. How many of you volunteered at Bible school to help that happen? Do you remember the weather that we had that week? It can be miserably hot in June or it can be terribly rainy. We had a gorgeous week. God bless us. He didn't have to, and we'd have been fine if he didn't, but God's blessings keep coming. And I don't know if you remember back um, on Christmas Eve, Eve, December 23rd of 2020, we had an outdoor um, kind of worship and carol service just back over here. Do you remember that? Do you remember the weather that night? It was December 23rd and, and it was chilly, but we had a beautiful clear evening and we had some fire pits and we could sing Christmas carols and get excited about celebrating the coming of Jesus Christ. That's such good stuff. And God just blessed us with great weather there. And I don't even know if you remember, but last summer we had a couple of outdoor services. Um, our tailgate service that we had was actually on the other side of the building. Some of you might recall that. Stephanie shared her testimony over there about having gone through surgery and God's faithfulness there. And we had beautiful weather that day. So. The weather might be one of those things that feels like, oh, what a dull thing to talk about. However, let's remember, just as we sang, God's faithfulness is so great that he blesses us with things that, that we might say, well, I don't even really need that. God says, here, have a beautiful morning. And so I'm just thankful about that, and I'm excited about that, and I'm glad that we can be worshiping together outside today as we come together um, at this tailgate service. Now, if you were here last week, you know that I said a little bit of the stage, we're going to be, I'm going to be preaching from now until probably about Thanksgiving, preaching about the book of Revelation. And uh, last week I spoke about some of the teachings of Jesus to his disciples and how he told them, look, you don't need to worry. You don't need to be stressed out about your life. You can think about things well, but you don't have to worry about it because God loves you. God is faithful and God will deliver everything that you need. We talked about that last week and there was some homework given and I'm going to do a little, little pop quiz here. Last week, we read from the beginning of Revelation. Um, in fact, Revelation verses, chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3, it says this, The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Here was a key verse last week in our devotions. Revelation 1, 3 says, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. So just quick survey. How many of you, either in a small group or in your home or, or maybe on your own, either read parts of Revelation out loud or listened to it spoken by somebody else? How many of you did that? Just raise your hand if, if you did that. Okay, uh, is that half of us? That might be half of us. Might be half of us. Um, I have to admit to you, uh, we didn't in our house. We had a, an insane week. There were not many times that we were all sitting down, and every time Melanie and I talked about it, something else happened, and so we're going to kind of reboot and do it again this week. Some of you were not here last week. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you, because we're going through Revelation 1. 
if we believe what the Bible says, it ought to affect our practices, right? And last week, I think everybody, when the question was asked, I think everybody said, yeah, they wanted to be blessed. How many of us followed up with, with this one way that we can be blessed? Probably more of us can do that. So I would encourage you, and especially as some of you have your small group meetings this week, read, if you can read all the Revelation aloud, do that. It'll be worthwhile. If you can listen to it out loud, do that. But let's take the Bible seriously when it says that blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. That should be a motivator, and it's motivating me. I'm just going to kind of put that challenge out to you. But isn't it amazing how we can read things in our Bibles and, and one moment say, boy, I'm right there. That sounds awesome. I want to go home and do that. Isn't it amazing how quickly that can leak away? Do you see that in your life? Maybe you hear something on Sunday morning or you go through something in a Bible study or, or you, heard a, you heard a great passage on some Bible preacher that popped up on your radio. And you think, wow, this is really, this is really deep. This is really touching me. This is really going to affect me. And then it just kind of fades away or gets forgotten. I know that happens to me sometimes. Does that happen to you? Well, that, that kind of thing can happen. That's why we keep getting together week after week. It's why we keep encouraging each other and challenging each other. That's why this church is here. I had, I had somebody ask me this morning, they said, well, why weren't you wearing your team jersey? I said, well, I am. I'm wearing the jersey for my favorite team. It says Waterway Church, right there. Yeah, I, like three claps. You got it. Thanks, Chuck. Yeah, Waterway Church doesn't get the same kind of same kind of cheers that the Eagles do, but we don't get the same kind of booze either. So it all uh, it all works out. But you know, it's it's important that we keep getting together. And if you're kind of joining us for the first time, or or if you're here with a friend and just checking things out, why do we do this? It's because we know that we are flawed people. We need Jesus Christ. And, and even those of us who are really trying to, to live well for Jesus, even those of us who know Jesus well and are maybe walking very closely with him, we need the encouragement and the reminders of being together and being with each other to say, keep at it, because this stuff just kind of leaks away. You know this. I, I'm not giving you news here, but I'm just reminding you why we're doing what we're doing, because it can get easy to be wrapped up in the fact that, hey, it's just nice out here. And it's fun to eat some chili and, and have hot dogs and, and fresh french fries. 15 years ago when we had our very first tailgate service, we had it at Media Mennonite Church. Uh, the building is still there, the yard is still there, it's about a mile that way. We said, what can we do that would just be different? Be kind of fun. Somebody said, let's have a tailgate party. Everybody said, all right. And we realized when we got here on Sunday morning that most people have no idea what a tailgate party is. Because we said, hey, bring food along to share. And, and Kyle and Heidi, I can still remember you guys had a really great little spread. You had a grill, I think, on a tailgate. I mean, it was, it was but, but most of the rest of us were like, well, I, I brought my fruit in a bowl. You know, it's like, well, that's not a tailgate at all. What, what? So 15 years ago, we started out because we said, let's just get together. And let's just have fun and we'll eat together and we'll have our service outside. Just be something different. And here these years later, we're still doing it and, and the crowd's bigger and the yard's a little bigger and there's going to be more food and, and, and I think the, 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 the idea of what it is is kind of caught up. But don't forget what we're really here doing. We're really here to encourage each other as we continue pressing on to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, that's a whole lot of introduction and a whole lot of prelude. I want to talk with you a little bit and it's going to be a little bit today. We're not going to go into a super deep study today because frankly, it's hard to do that when we're sitting outside, when you've got other things going on, when you need to get up and take the kids out. And I know sometimes you do just roll with it. 
But I do want to look at the first couple of verses of Revelation 1 today, because this is going to kind of set us up as we think about some of the rest of our study. I want to give you sort of the overview. Last week was, a, was an introduction for the attitude that you can have. Today is kind of an introduction for some of the information that we're going to learn. This will give us an overview. We're going to read the first couple of verses and the last couple of verses today of Revelation. Okay? So if you have a Bible or if you have, uh, whether it's in paper or on your phone or, or somewhere else, go ahead and grab it. We're going to look at Revelation. It's the very last book of the Bible. And we're going to look at the first chapter and the last chapter of Revelation. So I read a bit of it already, but here it is. Revelation 1.1. And by the way, mentioned it last week. Some of you may not have heard. The book is called Revelation. There's no S in it. There, there are there are several revelations that happen in the Bible, but this book is the revelation to John. And so when you refer to it, please refer to it as Revelation chapter 1. If you refer to it as Revelations chapter 1, God still loves you, and we still love you too, but we'll look at you funny and talk about you when we go home. <laughs> Here's what it says in Revelation 1.1. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He, that is Jesus, made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Here at the beginning of Revelation, we have a description of what it is. Not all the books of the Bible come out with this kind of an introduction. But it says, bluntly and frankly, the revelation from Jesus Christ. The word, if you go back and study the original Greek text, the, the word there for revelation is apocalypsis which sounds a lot like the word apocalypse, right? You've heard that word around, haven't you? It's in the title of movies. People talk about it all the time. As, you know, every once in a while, it's a headline in the paper. Is the apocalypse upon us. What do you think of when you think of the word apocalypse? What do you think of? Do you have any thoughts that you can shout out loud? End times, Chuck. Anything else you think about? Chaos. Yeah. What else comes to mind when you hear that word? 2020 <laughs> fire <laughs> i haven't heard very many positive connotations yet end times that might be positive chaos fire 2020 those all sound like scary things don't they well the word apocalypse if you go back at, or it's based on the word apocalypsis if you go back it was really just a word that means to reveal which makes sense that's why translators translated into the word revelation but apocalypsis in the greek is to reveal or to to show it's almost the idea of like pulling back the curtain and if you remember the wizard of oz the most referenced movie of all time at least for old people they at the end what happens they pull back the curtain and they see they see the wizard is just nothing more than a than an operator right well, that's, that's what apocalypsis means. It means to pull back the veil, to pull back the curtain, to see what's really going on. And so this shouldn't be scary or dreadful at all. I mean, how many of you would like to have some kind of vision of the future? H have you ever said, boy, I wish I would have known then what I know now. I would have I bought that Amazon stock, you know, or I would have I not bought that Yugo. There are those things that, you know, if you knew the future, you could have saved yourself or, or blessed yourself. So here, this is just this revelation from the very beginning. This is a revelation. This is an apocalypsis. This is a pulling back the curtain on what God says is going to happen. And this revelation is delivered to us through several characters. First of all, the Lord God gave this revelation to Jesus Christ. Jesus, it says, made this known by sending his angel then to his servant John. 
John was a believer in the Lord, and, and there's some argument about exactly which John this was, but, but John followed God closely. John knew Jesus and what it was to follow after him, and John's job was to write down all that he saw. Are there any writers here in the room? Anybody really enjoy writing? Not a lot. One or two or three. How many of you have ever tried to write down a good description of something that you saw? It, it's getting easier and easier to share this stuff now because you can take your phone out of your pocket, take a picture, and text it, right? But if you can't text those pictures, do you remember what it's like, you, uh, you people who are my age and older? Do you remember the days where you had to write a letter to somebody or maybe even describe it over the phone? Like, oh, this guy, he's out here in, the, in this car. What kind of car is it? I don't know. It's like blue or yellow. I'm not, you know, there's these weird descriptions. Well, now you just take a picture. Here it is. Oh, that's Pete. But do you know what it's like to try to write down and really describe something? I mean, can you imagine, can you imagine the job that John would have had to do when God speaks through Jesus and speaks through an angel and shows John all of these visions? And you're going to see this over and over in Revelation. He, he makes no bones about it. He's like, I, John, saw this. This was showed to me. And now in what we have is 21 chapters, he wrote it all down and tried to describe it. This is why it's sometimes difficult especially since the fact that he lived 2,000 years ago. It's sometimes difficult to understand this. Like, wait, what? what's he talking about? What's he describing here? I want to tell you that there are times when the book of Revelation is confusing. We're not going to figure it all out. We're not going to find some secret key and figure out the year and know exactly who's going to be representing whom. But we do know that there's information given to us and Jesus Christ saw fit to speak to John and preserve it so that we can read it today. There's something that Jesus wants us to know. What is it? Well, we know from verse 3, the blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. So even though there may be some things that are difficult to understand, we're blessed if we wrestle with it. We're blessed if we think about it, if we hear it, and if we speak it. So those are the first three verses. And then in verse number 4, we get the beginning of what might be considered a letter format. He says, John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia. So we have the writer, we have the audience, and he gives them a greeting. He says, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. That's Jesus. From the seven spirits before the throne. That's a reference to the seven churches and a reference to a number of things that are going on in heaven. We'll talk about that a little bit more as we go on. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. So this is a letter. He says, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. John opens up and he says, Look, all you churches, there's a message coming to you from heaven. Grace and peace to you. And then just in case they forget what they're there for. He says in verse 5, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. He's talking about Jesus. He says, he's freed us. He's set us free from our sins. He's made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and his father. To him be glory. So here's the gospel all wrapped up in just a few lines. John says, this is what I'm writing about. This is who spoke to me. And now I'm going to describe these images to you. Look at verse 7. It says, look, he is coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. In other words, Jesus is coming back. John had a vision of it. One day we will see it with our eyes. We or our descendants. 
says that every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. So even those who are against Jesus, even those who killed him, will see him coming back. And it says all the peoples on earth will mourn because of him. I'm not planning on mourning because of Jesus coming back. But it says here all the peoples on earth will mourn because of him. Do you remember at the very beginning of his ministry? Jesus in Matthew 5 is recorded as speaking what we now call the Beatitudes. Do you remember these blessings that are back in the early time of of Jesus' ministry? He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for those are the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, they'll be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Jesus says, blessed are all these because my kingdom is coming. Now here in Revelation 7, it's Revelation 1, 7, it says, look, there are people who will weep. Why? Because they don't want to see Jesus coming back. You know people and I know people in our world who have no interest in Christ returning. They want to keep their own agenda spinning. They want to keep their politics rolling. They want to keep their wars fighting. They want to keep their money coming in. You and I know people who have no interest in Jesus Christ. They will weep when they see him. This is what we're talking about here, what John is talking about here in Revelation 1. And then in eight, uh, Revelation 1, 8, John records a, a quote from the Lord. He's, the Lord says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. That is the beginning and the end. Alpha and Omega, the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the A to Z, who is and who was and who is to come. I am the Almighty. So this is the greeting of the book of Revelation. We'll unpack that even a little bit more next week. I think I got a little bit, uh, I got my words twisted a little bit on, on the seven spirits and the seven churches. We'll clarify that next week too. But before we go today, I, I want to make sure that we do have, again, the big picture before we get into the details the next couple of weeks. So turn in your Bibles to the very last chapter of the book of Revelation, the very last chapter of the Bible. It's Revelation 21. And so John has been writing and writing and writing. To our eyes, it's 20 verses, 20 chapters rather of the book of Revelation. But now here he's wrapping up his letter. In Revelation 21, I'm going to start in verse 9. John says that an angel came and said to him, Come here, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Now we know from other, from other uh, verses in Scripture that the bride of Christ is the body of Christ, it is the church, it is, it is us collectively together. But here in Revelation, there's an image that's given. I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And and John says in Revelation 21, verse 10, that this angel carried him away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. This is a vision of the future. This is a pulling back of the curtain, right? This is God showing John what is coming to be in the future. And this is the picture. He showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It's shown with the glory of God. And over the next number of verses, there are descriptions about what the city is made out of and how big it is. And it's very easy for us today to kind of read it and just skip over. But I'm going to pause a moment and just highlight a few details. I know this was talked about in our adult Sunday school class within the last couple years. Jim, I don't remember if you were teaching it or maybe John was. But if we translate the... The measurements, it's often the stadia are recorded and some other things, measurements that we don't use very often. This city, this new Jerusalem that's going to come out of heaven and, and be down here on earth, the bride of Christ, is where we can dwell and, and where God will be. It was 1,400 miles on each of its four sides. A square city, 1,400 miles long. And if you know how long 1,400 miles is, 
I, I, I hate to say it, I know a lot of you are wearing Philadelphia Eagles jerseys, but 1,400 miles is just about from here to Dallas. Dallas, Texas. Or if you, if you, <laughs> welcome to Chester County. We'll boo, even during the sermon, we'll boo the Cowboys. <laughs> if you don't like my Texas references, I apologize if I've offended you, but not really. If you don't like my Texas reference, if you would just head, head just about due west on Route 70. Anybody drive Route 70? It takes you out through Missouri and Kansas, just that... If you would drive Route 70 about 1,400 miles, you would just about get to Colorado. Actually, you'd end up in Bryant, Kansas. You remember Bryant, Kansas? Remember how far away that is? If we were one corner of God's city, <laughs> some people know very well where Bryant, Kansas is. If we were one corner of God's city, the next corner is Bryant, Kansas, and then the two corners are 1,400 miles. This is the size of this city, the bride of Christ coming down from heaven. This is what John's talking about here in Revelation 21. It's shown with the glory of God. He goes on in Revelation 21, verse 22. He describes this city, this huge 1,400 miles by 1,400 miles I believe that's just about, just about 2 million square miles. That's just about half the size of the entire United States. That's how big this city is that's going to be coming down. You can imagine how John would have been impressed. He says, I didn't see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. In other words, there's no church building there because God and Jesus, they're, they're just there the whole time. You don't have to go to church. You are church all the time. This is the bride of Christ. It says in verse 23, The city doesn't need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. So in this new earth, in this new heavens, with this Jerusalem coming down, and the bride of Christ, there's this picture of a massive city, and God is there. Nothing good comes into it. Nothing bad, or I'm sorry, nothing bad goes into it. Nothing bad ever happens there. It says the nations will walk by its light. It's this picture that... Everybody that's living on earth doesn't have to stay inside the city. You can come and go, but all the other people, all the other people who, this is in the perfect future, all the other people who are following the Lord, all the other nations, they come and go into this city. They bring their splendor into it. It says in verse 25, On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. Always light, always safe, always glorious. It says in verse 26, The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. This is a pure place and a perfect place. And I just put that out there in front of you so that we can remember, as we're going through the book of Revelation, as we look at a couple other passages in Daniel and Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Isaiah, as we think about what God is doing even now and what God has said is going to happen, I want us to remember where we're going we're going to a place, Pastor Steve reminded us this morning, we, we come and go, right? We're like the flowers of the field. And everything on this earth is one day going to disappear. There will be a new heavens and new earth. And this is what it looks like. A massive city where God is present, so present there's never any nighttime. There, there are no bandits because they're done away with. There's no sin. There's nothing, nothing false that happens there. But people can live in this city and be close to God. If they feel like going out and living, living in the rest of the redeemed nations, go do it. There's a whole new earth out there. This is what's being pointed at. God's kingdom is coming. And that's the revelation that John gets. Now, we have a whole bunch of chapters to unpack about some of the specifics. We might look into what's going to happen in, in what order. 
We may not know what years things are going to happen, but we know that, that A has to come before B and B has to come before C. That's what we're going to talk about. So I wanted to just share this with you today so you can see what kind of ride we're on and where we're headed. There's three things that really kind of hit me, three, three convictions that I have about this study, and I'll just share them with you so you know where I'm coming from. Number one, um, I find it very helpful to read Revelation 20 and 21 very often because it just reminds me where everything is headed. Number two, we know from what it says in Revelation, and, and frankly, we know from our experience, that there will be difficult times between now and the end. There is challenge, there is struggle, there is pain, and there is still death. We know these things. But here's my third conviction. I share it with you now. God is in control, and God is trustworthy, and whatever we suffer for Jesus will be worth it. Everything else really is just curiosity and telling the people around you to relax. God is in control. God is trustworthy. And whatever we suffer for Jesus will be worth it, because one day there's going to be this amazing Jerusalem. I mean, John describes it with you know, being foundations built on all these jewels, some of which we don't even know exactly which gem is that anymore. But he's just, I mean, can you imagine trying to describe the city of God? He's trying here. That's where we're headed. And that's where we're going to go. I hope that you'll uh, kind of keep studying with us as we, uh, as we unpack more and more of what God is saying to us. So, um, there's going to be a lot that we go through. There are going to be some things that, um, that maybe you'd like to hear about that you won't. That's why I uh, very much appreciate the emails and calls that I get. Um, just, hey, Jesse, what about this? And what do you think about that? And can we talk? Let's talk about it. Because this is uh, sometimes complex stuff to get into as we read it. And, and let, us, uh, let us talk and reason together as we figure out what God is talking about and what exactly it is that he's trying to reveal to us through this book of Revelation. Uh, but I am thankful uh, that we can do this all together. It's not just uh, me sitting in a library somewhere reading stuff. It's not you just kind of getting together with a couple of friends and saying, well, what do we do and what do we think? We get to be together, unpacking the scripture together. If I say something that sounds dumb or wrong, you can, you can say, hey, wait, Jesse, hang on. And we can talk about that together and then correct it the next time. This is fun to be able to do this and what a blessing and, and what fun to be able to do it here today. Before we wrap up with our closing song, uh, the band's going to come forward in just a minute. I'd like to, I'd like to pray again. Because I think there's all kinds of opportunity when we get into studying Revelation and thinking about the future, there's all kinds of opportunity for us to just get out of whack in our thinking, maybe get fascinated about things that ought not to fascinate us. So can we just pray and ask for God's wisdom and, and protection in our studies? Church, let's, let's pray together. Lord, I thank you and praise you that, that you've given us your word. You've given us the Bible. I thank you that, um, that you spoke in this case to the prophet John and that we get to read his writing as inspired by you. Lord, I thank you that we can think about it and pray about it together. And I pray, Lord, that you will help us to do this with all wisdom. Help us not to get carried away from things that, that should not get our attention, but help us to dive in deeply on the, on the things that you are truly saying. Lord, help us be patient with each other because some of us pick these things up more quickly. Lord, help us if we have preconceived ideas that are wrong, help those to be washed away. But Lord, if, if there is truth that you're speaking to us, help it to fall and lodge deeply in our hearts. Lord, we are thankful to get to do this together. We're thankful for all the blessings that you give us as we study and as we worship and as we pray. And Lord, we give all that we are now, even our minds, even our study, even our understanding, we give it all to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.